story of the golden calf, which culminates in Hashem Hashem Kelrachum Vechanun, has many interesting features. And one of them has to do with the place of the story within the larger context of the book of Shemot. And I think additionally, the place of the story, the place of Srichot, place of Yom HaKippurim, in the context of the Jewish calendar. As we know, Moshe goes up the mountain to receive these Luchot. The Luchot are the Luchot of the Brit, tablets of the covenant. When he's on top of the mountain, he discovers that the people in his absence have made a golden calf. They approached Aaron, perhaps they intimidated Aaron, and Aaron builds for them a golden calf. So the golden calf is not just a sin, a mistake, but threatens to undo the covenant. Covenant, the Luchot Abrit, contain the word of God, First of the Ten Commandments is, I am the God who took you out of Egypt. And the people below are saying, So the golden calf threatens to uproot the entire, the entire covenant. Now this golden calf, the Torah says, was constructed by Aaron. Moshe's own brother constructed it. Aaron told the people to bring the gold, which is in the ears of your uh, ears of your wives and your sons and daughters. Bring it to me. The people did so, and the Torah says, "Vayikach mi yadam, vayatzer oto b'cheret." Aaron took it from them, and he put it in a cheret. A cheret is a sculpting tool, and it's interesting. A word here, Bacheret, because later on when Moshe addresses Aaron, chapter 32, what Aaron says, what, the, what could the people have done to you to make you do this? So Aaron says, don't get angry. You know the way they are. And he says, the people came to me, they said, make us a God. Moshe, the man who took us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So we don't want a man. We need something that's permanent. Who has gold? And they brought it to me. I threw it into the fire and this came out. Which does not seem to be consonant with what the Torah said earlier. He carefully sculpted it. Moses saw the people were parua, out of control. Aaron, for Aaron had made them out of control, made them wild. As a disgrace before those who would stand before them. Interesting here in the Pasuk, Kifra'o Aaron should be written Peresh Ayin Vav. The Hebrew here maintains the archaic A, Peresh Ayin He, Pro, which of course reads Paro. Paro was spelled that way. And it's particularly interesting because he sculpted it by Cheret. And we know in our study of the book of Exodus 
that the main advisors to Paro, he had Chachamim, he had Chartumim. So Aaron is represented here as a kind of Paro figure who has his Cheret. And the point of it is that the story of the golden calf, the building of this calf, and saying, these are the gods who took you out of Egypt, means in effect that spiritually speaking, you never left Egypt. You're still there. The story of the golden calf is about a reversion to Mitzrayim. And if we're going to overcome the golden calf, it means that we need a spiritual ascent out of Mitzrayim. The book of Exodus has two parts. The first part of the book of Exodus is about the physical leaving of Egypt. We celebrate that event on the holiday of Pesach, Chag But the second part of the book is not apparently about the physical leaving of Egypt, it's about the spiritual leaving of Egypt. The golden calf was built with, this, with the gold we took out of Egypt. And therefore, one of the turning points in the story, we discussed this a bit earlier, is when the people mourn the fact that God will not go with them, that God will not be present in their midst, that there won't be a Mishkan. So the people strip themselves of their jewelry, and that reminds us of the way they got the jewelry in the first place, or the description of taking the silver out of and the gold out of Egypt. So the first step in spiritually leaving Egypt is to distance ourselves from Egypt. Very often the first step in putting ourselves in a better situation is simply removing ourselves from our past, from the people in our past, from the places in our past, simply putting ourselves in a different place. A higher level is to take our past, pieces of our past, and to reconfigure them into the present, which of course is what happens in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, that very gold and the silver, the things they took out of Egypt, those things are used to construct the Mishkan. The very Mishkan that now seems impossible to construct because God had said, I will not go up with you. I will not be in your midst. Moshe is able, through his negotiations with God, through the, through the people's repentance, and through the through the learning of, understanding of, the way God can dwell with us, which we call the Yud Gimel Midot, of Hashem Hashem Kerachum V'chanun. That's what makes it possible for Moshe to build and the people to build the Mishkan. By that I mean it makes it possible to get a second set of tablets. The second set of tablets allow for the Mishkan to be built. And that second set of tablets is only possible after Moshe has been taught these attributes of mercy, the Yud Gimel Midot, which form the basis of our Slichot service. When Moses is revealed the Yud Gimel Midot, Right away he petitions, And after the Yudgimu Midot, and after the tablets, he comes back down the mountain, 
And the book of Exodus concludes with the building of the Mishkan. Our calendar is based largely on the book of Exodus. The initial morning after the God has said, I will not be in your midst, we marked it on a calendar in the day we call Tishabav. We don't have a temple amongst us. That means we don't have God's enduring presence amongst us. And then we move to try to correct that. First, we have to rid ourselves of the evil within us. There's an internal struggle. There's a battle. Perhaps that's marked on the calendar through Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Judgment, the Day of Din. And then we move towards Yom Kippur, which is the day of the Yud Gimel the day of God's mercies. And once we have God's mercies, we're able to build the temple. The building of the temple, of course, we mark on our calendar, our observance of the holiday of Sukkot, our small temple, which is predicated upon the larger temple. It starts with the morning with the recognition of what's been lost. Then we move towards reconciliation. And Yom Kippur, from this perspective, is a culmination it's the fast day at the end of the first, it's the other envelope of Tishabav. But way beyond that, and much more importantly, it's a springboard to action in the future. It's what allows us to construct sacred spaces.